Jonathan John into Lawrence. Played through for Fuller. Fuller's beaten Larson here. And Ricardo Fuller has scored for Stoke. Ten minutes to go. And it could yet be a celebratory night in the Potteries. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Wizards of Dribble podcast. We've had another re- reshuffle in the team this week with Chris being away. So I'll be hosting today as Jason and then we welcome back David Carlishaw. Hello. And we bring in on a one-week loan Ben Cartwright. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. No problem. Right, so it'll be a lot easier to talk talk about things this week considering the the season's finally started kicked off with a 1-1 draw away at the riverside against newly promoted middlesbrough with judge jacquiri's free kick cancelling out an earlier alvaro negredo header david you were there what did you think in terms of result i'd I'd say it's fairly positive uh considering the on the eve of the match we found out jack butland was injured and all hell seemed to break loose from there we were worried we were going to get you know absolutely battered uh, because apparently Shay Gibbon has no hands or something. I think we were really worried that um, it could have been a cricket score. But um, yeah, in, ter- in terms of result, uh, I'd have happily taken a 1-1 draw uh, before the game. In terms of the game itself, very much a really poor first half performance followed by a more encouraging second half performance. I think the overwhelming positive for me was the performance of Gianelli and Bula, who I thought had one of his best games in a uh, Stoke shirt. He was um, consistently excellent in terms of passing, in terms of driving the team forward, and he earned a lot of praise from like Middlesbrough fans who I spoke to as well. So that's always a sign of a good performance is when opposition fans notice you. Ne- big negative for me was the lack of juice involvement, if you like. Um, I'm sure we'll get onto that in a minute, but con- considering there's been a lot of talk about us signing a striker, is is due for the man for the season to see him barely involved for whatever reason was disappointing. Yeah, fairly even game. I think it was an enjoyable game overall. I think it was fairly entertaining. Uh, not a lot of clear-cut chances for either side, but some decent attacking play. I think we deserve to be higher up on match the match of the day than we were. Uh, so, yeah, I think a solid 6 out of 10 to start the season. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so Hughes named quite a sort of strong lineup with a diamond front four that on paper looked like our best to date. Um, ben, what did you reckon about the starting 11 and maybe the omissions of the likes of Sobby from the bench? I, th- I think the starting lineup was pretty predictable in the end. I don't think many people thought it it'd be too different. The actual starting eleven. maybe a few people thought Allen would come straight in instead of Whelan in, in the holding midfield area, I guess, but that didn't happen. Hughes didn't feel confident enough in that or Allen isn't fit enough yet, I'm not sure. Um, my issue with the team was was the subs bench, as you alluded to, I think. Um, the fact that Hosolu didn't make the bench and Crouch did really annoyed me for some reason. Um, if we're looking to get rid of Crouch, I don't really understand why he's making the bench over Hosolu. Um, I think if you look at them side by side as players, I reckon Hosley is probably better in every or most areas certainly than Crouch now, considering his age. Crouch isn't that much of a header of the football as as much as height. We all know is as much as height should sort of giving a give him a heading ability. He doesn't really head it that well for some reason. Um, so that was kind of my issue with the lineup. It would have been lovely to see Allen in the holding midfield, but I'm not sure if it's going to work like that at all ever. Um, 
I said on Twitter as, when Alan signed that I wasn't too sure if Alan was a, a like-for-like complete replacement for Whelan. I don't know how much he wants to sit back and certainly the sort of last 10 minutes that he came on yesterday didn't obviously Hughes might have not might not have told him to have that holding role but he certainly he's looking to get forward uh, similar to Imbula where he's he's passing the ball forward and he's running and sprinting looking to counter attack um, whenever he's given the opportunity so um I I wouldn't be surprised if Whelan continues to sort of have that role in the team and and maybe opt for a 4-3-3 but the lineup for the first for the first game against the Middlesbrough a team that we don't know too much about I think it's it was a a good starting 11 but a questionable bench in my opinion yeah, I mean, that makes sense. There's an interesting point with regards to the midfield. I think some people online were alluding to that we may long-term sort of switch to a midfield, I guess, pairing like Leicester had last season with Drinkwater and Kante where both were capable of going back and forth and sort of spreading the defensive work between them. And I think maybe ideally that's what they want to get to with, I guess, Alan and Nimbula. Um Alan costs thirteen million. Like you can't, he's not here for the bench. He's not left Liverpool's bench to come to Stoke's bench. So he's going to have to fit him in somehow. And I, I doubt that he will be battling the club record signing um, in Bula for a position because he's pretty much going to be the one in the middle of the pitch that will build a team around. So yeah, I think we've got every right to sort of question where Alan's going to fit in and how this is going to work. I think. 4-3-3 makes the most sense, which presumably means that Bojan's going to go up front. On yesterday's showing, it doesn't seem like it would be too much of a bad idea because that front three of Arnautovic, Kira and Bojan work really well together, but it seems like they don't like playing well with others in terms of an actual, well, I guess making the centre-forward role a bit redundant. Yeah, I thought it was uh, yeah. pr- pretty interesting when Alan came on that he moved... Imbula to the sort of Bojan role, if you like, if not just a bit behind the Bojan role. Um, so that's something I think we could see more of is uh, Alan and Whelan playing behind Imbula, perhaps in uh, games away from home against big sides where we're not really looking to dominate possession as much. And maybe that gives us more of a sort of a stronger base in the middle to build attacks from. I don't know. But um so. Yeah, I think Bojan back in the false nine role is something we could see as as well as that with Mbula just behind him. Yeah. Um. So we talked about, I guess, the positives of the midfield. We should probably go back to the, the defence now, which at its worst yesterday was abysmal, I think, particularly early on, it, which didn't seem to struggle. Well, we seemed to struggle with the fast start by Middlesbrough Obviously, they came, it's their first game back for, what, seven years. They were fully hyped up and they were really going for it, pressing hard. And our defence seemed to panic a lot. There was a few wayward passes. And then, I guess, with the first goal, you'd have to say that both fullbacks, for starters, probably should do a bit better. I think the whole back five could could, could have done better in that goal. In fact, <laughs> I, I, was think, I was thinking about it. Um, so, right back, Barsley should have stopped the cross or, or done better in that position. Um, and then Peters uh, with the header, it was, it, it was not very tight to the attacker, was it Gaston Ramirez who headed it back for Negredo to sort of tap it in. Um, Peters should have been closer to him, um, stopped the header coming back in, in my opinion. Um, and then Walshide and Shawcross getting on top of each other. What's that all about? It doesn't. Sometimes it seems as though our, our defence doesn't like to talk to each other and let, let, each other, let each other know where the other one is, almost. Um, and they're, they're in a bit of a mess. And I think... I reckon 
if given if but Butland was in goal, that that goal wouldn't have got as far as Negredo. Butland would have been straight off his line and caught the ball as the header back came through. If you get what I mean, um, I think the difference between your good goalies and your your world class goalkeepers, what we've got in Butland, I'd argue, is that the world class goalkeepers they make things, they make they make defensive um, positions and and saves that you don't think others would make, and I think. If he was in that position, he would have just grabbed the ball and then we would have obviously just played out of defence, whatever we would have done. Um, but Given was on his line, um, which allowed Negredo just to, to tap it in. That's yeah. that's my sort of viewing on that goal. I think every single person in the back five could have done better. Yeah, there was four sort of a four-step calamity there. Yeah. But, I mean, there were some shaky moments still, as, as David alluded to, that the first half was quite from Stoke. Bardsley seemed to struggle with George Friend, who I thought was really impressive on the day for them on the left. Yeah, I think he won their Man of the Match award, and I think rightly so. He, he sort of bombed bombed down that left-hand side really well and caused Bardsley a lot of problems. Yeah, I think Ramirez was probably the other pick of their, their players in terms of, I guess, running that number 10 role really well. Um, So, we picked up well, I guess before we picked up at the hour mark, let's just talk about this new corner routine. I think every man on the line <laughs> seems to be a new approach. I, I don't get it. I, I, is it because we were so bad at corners last season? We need to, we seem to need to invent uh, a scenario where every attacking player, if you like, is two yards out. And is, is the premise of that, well, if they're two yards out, we have to score from a corner eventually because... It's imp- it's harder not to almost, but again the problem is getting the right delivery. I mean, um, there was one corner from Bojan which hit the side net in, and it. I think a lot of the times with our corners, it it's a case of delivery, and uh, sort of movement in the box not being right, and I think to sort of um, to to counter that movement in the box issue, everyone's just stood in the six yard box now waiting for the great delivery. And when the great delivery doesn't come, it just looks stupid. <laughs> yeah, I I would agree. I think um, it, to our credit, we nearly found the back of the net through a scramble just before half time. But there's a lot to be said for men on the post. And Middlesbrough got that right perfectly with Ramirez clearing off the line. So it's nice to see that they've obviously tried something different, but. I still prefer it to the short corners, which yes. I, I loathe entirely. So, I, I, what? I, I'm not a set piece expert by all means, but would it not have just made more sense to have, if you're going to have all those players in the six yard box, just have Joe Allen or Glenn Wheeler, someone like on the penalty spot or something, who, who can, hmm. you know, hit it back in if it bounces out. Yeah, it would. It, it's another option. It takes one of their men, I guess, away from the scramble as well. But yeah, this the setup, the delivery, it was all quite poor. My but, thinking, my thinking on the the set pieces was that at least we've, we're trying something different. It certainly seems that Shakiri has been working on his free kicks and not just his direct free kicks. I thought his delivery was a bit better yesterday. I don't know what you guys thought on that. Yeah, I think in the second half it definitely picked up. Um, there was a lot in the first half where most of the crosses were sort of seemed to be aiming for the knees rather than the heads, but they they were making them a lot more aerial balls and saying here you go try and challenge them more in the second half and I think that that helped. It's still funny listening to the commentary say where our best chances are going to come from set pieces. It's like no, 
but yeah just in general the second half what did you guys think it picked up a lot sort of around the hour mark yeah i think i, th- I think the obviously the attacking players um of, of bojan and shakiri and on out they all had a couple of moments of magic where they would take on a man um but my my big issue with this with the system i I've, i was thinking about it quite a lot but my issue with how we played yesterday was the lack of fullbacks and darting forward and there was a couple of points where i was like it's just not going to work because you see other teams like you mentioned George Friend um, just had the, uh, the the Man United Bournemouth game on as well and you've got Luke Shaw and stuff showing how an attacking fullback should play and there's a couple of times where well Peters tried to cross the ball and failed which is an issue um, but the other side with Bardsley he would he would move up the pitch a couple of times instead of going around the outside he would come inside um, and sort of play exactly where Rowelan would be anyway. And that really annoyed me because he's just taking up space there. He's not he's not creating anything for Shakiri. And when we when I did see Peters go on the overlap around the defender, that that allowed that gave Arnaldovic the little bit of space he needs to cut inside, either have a have a go on goal um, or or cross it in. I mean, he did, obviously he didn't score yesterday, but there was a couple of moments where the defender went round the outside, and that allowed Arnaldovic to to do his thing almost. Um, and it. It's disappointing that we haven't been in for a fullback, in my opinion. I know Glenn Johnson should come back in, and he's definitely much better than Barsley at that attacking fullback role. But Eric Peters can't cross, and there was there was moments yesterday, as as I'm sure you saw as well as me, that Peters just got beaten um, in defensive positions so easily. There's one in particular where their right winger, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but literally Peters dives in and just touched it around the back, which is just so annoying it's so easy for the winger to get around him and he doesn't offer too much going forward as well so that was my issue but I mean what we're talking about was the sort of after 60 minutes how we got back into the game and I think that was just because Shakiri and Arnautovic were allowed to well grow into the game and sort of have a grow a bit of confidence and then do their thing yeah um with regards to the winger it was Albert Adoma who Peter's yeah. probably going to be seeing in his sleep for a few weeks now. <laughs> um, but yeah I think like in hindsight, I think that we, it was poss- possibly like quite good game management from Stoke, which we've not always seen like a great deal of. But we managed to weather the early storm of the promoted side coming out all guns blazing, like really wanted to take the game to them. And then when they sort of wore down a bit, Stoke's I guess quality players, the ones you pay so much money for and expect them to sort of show up, started to make the game tick and run the show in our favour, which I think quite helped out quite a lot in the second half. But then it would. It was a moment of magic that got us back level, which Tom Thrower, who was on last week, said, I told you that Shakiri magic would save us. I told you. Um, when uh, we were lining up to take that free kick, um, I thought it was quite a soft free kick to begin with. Um, anyway, because he pulled it back for a previous foul, which I thought was... Uh, I've seen them easily not given and us be annoyed. But uh, as we... It was... I think Bojan, Shakiri, and Anatovic all around the free kick, and uh, my dad, my dad, um, possibly aware of the fact that um, we haven't we hadn't scored a, from a direct free kick in three years, which I think was Arnautovic at Man United, but um, he said, "Oh, wh- I don't know which of these three do you think would actually hit the target for me? I'm just not sure." And I was about to say Arnautovic when Shaq just runs up cool as you like, slots it in the bottom right-hand corner, and there's uh, absolute limbs in the stokan. But, um, yeah, Shaq Shaq just doesn't score boring goals, which I'm a big fan of, but 
if he added a few more boring goals to his game, you know, we'd do a lot better, I think. Yeah, he's a, he's a couple of tappings away from being the Swiss Charlie Adam, I think, now. But, so, it was a positive from then on, and Stoke were sort of moving forward a little bit more. Still not a great amount of chances, but we got to see a little cameo from Joe Allen off the bench. What did you guys think of his limited time, at least? Well, I... I... I, th- I saw a few Stoke fans on Twitter um, bemoaning him for a bad performance, which I thought was slightly harsh. He was only given, what, 10 minutes. And I thought, he looks positive. He's obviously come from the, the Klopp regime where fitness is essential. Um, and he and he showed that I thought he, he looked one of the fittest players. Obviously, he was a sub, but he, he was chasing after every ball, um, picked a few decent passes. He did lose it out a couple of times, but I just denote that to not really being on the same wavelength as the players at the moment. You Imbula had such a great game yesterday, but I think that's partly down to the fact that he's now integrated within the squad. Instead of, um, well, when he first signed in January, he was sort of all, all over the place at times, but he, he was able to to make some killer runs. Whereas yesterday, you mentioned it earlier, David, he was able to make some some killer passes as well. Um, and that's just because the centre-backs are looking for him or Whelan's looking for him, where Jalen at times was kind of pointing for a run, pointing for the pass to come to him and it wouldn't come. Yeah, um, was... maybe or it, or it was delayed. There was one point where I think Waters was on the right, yeah. um, and he just delayed his pass by like two seconds, and then the the chance is gone. Where maybe if that was an Imbula or whoever an integrated member of the squad, the the pass would have been played straight away. So I think it's a bit about the players getting used to Alan, his runs, like his his way of playing football before we can see the best of him really, and and certainly it doesn't help coming off the bench in that situation where you're looking to sort of dictate the game with with a completely new team really. Yeah, that was the really frustrating, one of the most frustrating moments for me was uh, Alan bombing down sort of the right-hand side and what was mm. just needing to play that pass of just a few seconds earlier and Alan would have been away. Uh, I think it took him yeah. just a few minutes just to get used to the pace of the game. I mean, he's he's been at the Euros with Wales for a while he's and he's not been at the club all that long. Um, he, he's, a, he's a good player at the end of the day and uh, certainly wouldn't come close to writing him off based on 15 or so minutes in the first game no I think um, it's yeah it's, obviously you can't analyse into it too much but from what I saw he's pretty much exactly what I expected Alan to be honest just getting a toe in in front of other people for interceptions for example offering those extra bit of legs to sort of press a player and then the moving forward was Moving forward, I guess, down the wing was really positive as well, but he was offering himself as an attacking outlet too. Um, agree with you both that Walter's chance was really frustrating that he just refused yeah. to, to release the ball to him. But yeah, I thought in terms of a, an early betting in game, I thought he did fine. And I think he'll probably start next, next week, I guess, against Man- Manchester City. Um, purely because it's going to be the sort of game where we're going to need the to be a little bit more mobile off the ball in terms of pressing. But um, I guess all in all, a decent point, and I think there's no argument that Imbula was man of the match by a long way on our side. Yeah, but um, I think in the Sentinel, they gave it to Jordan Shakiri, which I thought was uh, very generous. Um, I think yeah. I think the big sort of elephant in the room with a lot of Stoke fans is creating chances we've got brilliant creative ability in the side um and just i was looking at 
uh, how many chances other teams created uh, yesterday. We created eight chances in the game, uh, which is the same as Middlesbrough. I think they had more shots on target than us there. Um, only four teams created fewer chances than us: Hull, Burnley, Watford, and Sunderland. So there's an there's definitely an argument to say um, we're not create creating enough. Uh, I think I mentioned Juve not not seeing the ball. Uh, is it a, is it a case of the attacking players being too selfish, or does Juve need to sort of be cleverer with with the kind of runs he makes? Well, I I think it's a natural sort of thing for for those are sort of say front three behind Juve to not sort of have their first instinct to pass to Juve because that's not what Juve's game is all about. He's about finishing. Well, hopefully, if he gets a chance, he'll finish it most of the time. Um, so the fact that they don't always look for him in those positions doesn't really irk me that much. I think that's that's to be expected, really, because if you're a, a Bojan, you, you'd rush, you'd much prefer to to pass one else, which you can do something with the ball. You can take on a defender, um, find the killer pass. Where Juff doesn't really do that. I think the issue with Juff playing is if he's going to be starting up front, then you need to get crosses into the box. That's the well we saw was all of his goals last season headers or something like that. Um, so I mean that's obvious. Like we don't score goals from set pieces, so there's there needs to be some way that Juff yeah. can um, uh, can score. I noticed that Arnautovic um, took most of our shots shots if you can call hitting the corner flag shot. But um, uh, yeah, it was just on. He did really well in the second half on Arnautovic. Into he does that usual thing of holding off the defender to you know turning inside yeah. and getting into the penalty area. You just wanted him to play it across rather than trying to get, yeah. shoot from a narrow angle. And that I think that was... <laughs> I've, I've used the word frustrating quite a bit so far, but I'll say that was very frustrating as well. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, we didn't... As I said, we did, we struggled to struggled to get Juve involved yesterday. And obviously, I really like Juve and I want him to succeed here, but it seems like the system we're playing doesn't... It's not that it doesn't suit his striker, but it doesn't seem to suit any striker. Like They sort of just play around in their own little worlds, I think, around it. The, yeah, the I, I, I just but, think that we need the, we need the full-back there to, to take take um, take on the defender around the outside. Then either Arnautovic beats his man and either whips it in then or has a shot, or he plays it out for the, for the, for the, um, for the man making the, the run around and then they whip it into the box where at the moment we have Peters who if he makes that run he won't beat the first man and Bardsley who is somewhere back in our own half obviously if Johnson comes back in then he's the perfect man I don't know like how many assists Johnson might have had to 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 Jiff last season but I feel like that might have been the outlook for Jiff's goals I don't know that's just a a completely rubbish statement probably but maybe (laughs) he definitely he definitely got one um, against Bournemouth that came from a, a Johnson cross to Juve's diving header, so there is definitely a link there. I feel like even having Jeff Cameron at right back might have brought a few more crosses into the box yesterday than having Bardsley there. Yeah, I'd agree with yeah, that. Alright, so that, all in all, a decent point. Um, we'll move on to the other news of which there's very little until today. So, Mark Wilson, following his Twitter antics, seems to be on his way out to Bournemouth for, I guess, what could be considered 
quite paltry two million pounds in this summer window rising to four million depending on well installments i don't know if that's a relegation clause or something like that but yeah it's, i guess it's the right probably the right move for all parties but it's a bit cheap isn't it I just feel we, we've been so bad at getting rid of players that we don't really need anymore for the last few seasons. I'm quite happy that, like, I would, I'd be happy to sell him for a free, to be honest. I think we are very bad at holding on to Deadwood when there's no need for Mark Wilson in our squad anymore. Or, or may, maybe that's being a bit harsh on Mark Wilson, but players of, like, Crouch and stuff, for example, um, we've been so bad at, at get it, getting rid of them maybe, like, this, a season a season before they should have been sold or something. Um, but, yeah, after the Twitter... Um, reactions or whatever he was always going to be sold and two million seems fine to me yeah i think uh he, i think he was probably always on his way even before his twitter actions which is probably why he felt sort of like he could say what he said um i think it's a shame to see mark wilson i, I think he does he deserves stick for sort of being unprofessional in what, in what he did. But um, Mark Wilson's been at the club a long time. He played in every game of our cup run. He's played for us in Europe. He was quite an important part of the Tony Pulis back line for a few years. And he did that amazing bit of skill at Anfield that put uh, Gerard and Suarez in the stands. Um, so, yeah, it makes me sad to see a player leave on these terms. But I think it, it's kind of the right move for the club. Yeah, I think, as I said, it is it gives them a new start. Bournemouth is obviously a good club and they do like their sort of British contingent and Irish contingent there. Um, I just feel like, for example, Bournemouth signed Brad Smith from Liverpool who had five appearances in all competitions for Liverpool since his career started with a loan at Swindon giving a further seven and they managed to get six million for him so our our two million sort of for a player who's 28 I guess the defender gives him a bit more leeway at the top level um versatile Premier League proven current international Republic of Ireland you just feel like two million screams damaged goods more than anything in a quick sale rather than being representative of, of its value so I guess it's a shame to see him go so cheap, but it's probably good that we've that we're getting a deal done now. And I guess it frees up another place in the squad for any imminent defensive arrivals. Yeah, um, we've we've never been we've never been that good at, at getting the sort of fair price for any player though. So it, it's kind of expected in a way. Like Nzonzi went for way too cheap, and obviously if Arnautovic was to be sold, then. Having a twelve point five million pound twelve point five million release clause is a bit silly. Um, so I'm just happy to sell him. I don't think obviously we're we're a club that that needs the money. It would be nice to get like a few million, maybe like make it five million. Like that's the max we were going to get, I think, from anyone. Um, so the three million probably doesn't make too much of a difference. But maybe that's just being completely stupid. I, yeah, I can't believe I'm saying it. three million doesn't matter, but in the world of football, it doesn't. I guess. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the last time we had a, I guess, quote-unquote good sale where we made a, a decent amount of money for someone. Uh, I think probably you'd have to go back to uh, Ben Foster when we sold him for a few million without playing a game. Oh, uh, yeah. Even Richie Delat as well. We sold, we yeah, sold he was another one. Yeah. God, it's been a while. So, yeah, there we go. Maybe 
over the next few years as we transition into more of a selling club we'll actually start to get some decent value for our players but it does feel like we're still in the like post Pulis we're still slowly phasing out some of the players from that era that won't go for masses of money be it because of their age because of reputation or things like that so I guess we're just going to have to take this one on the chin and and then move on from it but I'll be interested to see if we bring in any more defensive players before the window closes because obviously fullback was suddenly heightened I guess shown as an issue yesterday we're not going to presumably we're not going to get a right back in because even though Johnson's injured we're hoping he'll come back and if not we've got Barsley and Cameron unless if one or two of them goes in the next couple of weeks we're not going to bring in a new right back yeah. left back potentially but I guess Joel Taylor travelled with the first team again whether he'll get a game yeah I, I was I was encouraged to see uh, Joel Taylor with the squad I think he'll probably get a game against Stevenage um Certainly hope so. Anyway, I think uh, the main sort of thing I took away from the fullbacks' performance yesterday was how much more of a disaster it would have been had they been wing backs. Um, I I dread to think the joy that uh, Middlesbrough would have had had Bardsley been forced to play ten or fifteen yards further up the pitch. Yeah, I think um, one final note about that match as well. It's nice to see that we we gave the new FA descent rules a fair run for its money. Oh, yeah. Both oh, yeah. That... Shea given sprinting 30 yards to get booked and Mark Arnautovic <laughs> getting angry at win- winning a free kick. Yet another, yet another frustrating thing was just how needlessly we gave away yellow cards. We, we, we had five yellow cards yesterday and it wasn't exactly a, you know, a scrappy, you know, game with lots of flat uh, challenges flying in. So, yeah, I just, the Arnautovic when given ones were particularly stupid. Yeah, I, I don't know what Arnautovic like. I, I'd I'd love to be in his brain, see what he wanted from the ref after that. <laughs> I'd, like what? But and also on match of the day when they showed sort of the Shea Given booking after it happened, and they had they like had like a line after his body for some reason showing the sort of line that he took to the referee. I don't know why, but that was to show the the yardage. I thought that was quite funny and weird from match of the day. But anyway. <laughs> I think um, the one one of the yellows that sprung to mind yesterday was Shawcross for completely going through someone. But yeah, yeah, he'd had I a previous incident with I think it was Negredo, and yeah. he just seemed to just needlessly foul him twice in a row. Yeah, then he took Ramirez out. I'm still not I'm still not sure if Shawcross is 100 percent there. You know, like in terms of fitness stuff, because I generally felt like he was going to be sent off yesterday. He didn't look his imperious self and I'm wondering if we're ever going to get that imperious centre-half back again well I know a lot of people were saying if if we were to get another centre-back like who would be the one to be dropped Shawcross or Walshide I, I mean for me it would still be Walshide I, th- I think you kind of have to hope that he will he, like he will get back to his best we don't really know like Middlesbrough aren't the biggest test that he'll face I, I guess against Man City next week will be a great test the, the movement they're going to they're going to have to deal with in defence is going to be it's going to be a challenge, obviously. So we'll see um, how Shawcross um, deals with that. I don't know. I'd, I'll be interested to see if we um, sign another centre back and sort of what level, what level he will be. Like, are we going to spend like twenty million on like one of Europe's best centre backs? I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think Hughes sees it that way. But maybe. Well, he was willing to put 
15 down for Michael Keane, wasn't he? So that doesn't strike as a a sort of mm. third choice centre half option. So presumably there's going to be decisions to be made there. I do think Walshide will always be the most susceptible to being dropped versus the captain. But for what it's worth, I think Walshide was the better, better of the centre halves yesterday. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I don't think Shawcross did too much wrong. Uh, possibly, you know, first half looked shaky. Uh, as did a lot, as, as did a lot of the backline. But yeah, I'd agree. Walshide sort of outperformed him, particularly in the second half. We had a, he had an elbow at Gaston Ramirez as well, didn't he? Walshide or something. I couldn't quite yeah, see what missed... happened there, but yeah, it might, didn't look yeah. like I had a good good angle on TV. But I feel like if it, if they had a closer angle, it might it might have been that Walshide just had a a Robert Hooth elbow to Gaston Ramirez's face. That looked dear and well to the fans. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll leave it there for part one. Join us shortly for part two when we'll talk all about the youth teams. Hello and welcome back to part two of the Wizards of Dribble podcast. We've taken a look at Stoke's performance against Middlesbrough and the transfer news and now we're going to take a look down at the youth teams for their performance over the last couple of days so as we mentioned over the last couple of podcasts Stoke under 19s are currently at the Perone Cup in France it kicked off this weekend with Stoke having two wins of five games so far but unfortunately fell short to Espanyol a few hours ago so they beat Cannes the local team 1-0 for losing 2-0 to PSV, um, managed to lose a two-goal lead to AC Milan to lose 3-2 before beating Pasiktas 1-0 and then the 2-0 this morning. So Abdallah, from what I can tell, was our top scorer with new arrival Tyrese Campbell also banging a goal. I guess in terms of to get started before I go for the rest of the results, we seem to be bringing through a lot more or buying in a lot more strikers at academy level at a sort of higher level than ever before. So it all began a couple of years ago when Julian Ngoy, for example, was brought in despite having interest from Europe's top clubs. And now we've got the Football League ready, Dom Telford, sitting under our own 23s. Abdallah's impressed so far, and we've added to it with English contingent now with Tyrese Campbell, who's the son of Kevin Campbell, ex-Arsenal striker, and a quite relatively unknown player called Jordan Greenidge, who seems to be taking the under-18 teams for mugs at the moment, with seven goals in four games on trial. So I guess are we banking on bringing our own Berahino through now rather than being shafted in the transfer window for them? <laughs> I'd like to believe that, but um, I, I definitely have my doubts over... Um, over Mark Hughes's sort of ability to bring in youth players and blood them in, particularly with a Premier League side. Um, it is interesting how uh, we are bringing them in at youth level. I wonder if that's partly due to maybe uh, attackers sort of being more eye-catching players at that level um, or or if it's just sort of a, a coincidence. But I'm, I'm not sure... That it's that it's a directive from Mark Hughes, for example. Um, it's encouraging to see uh, Abdallah do so well at the Perone Cup. I think 
he did he did score that um great goal in Wilco's testimonial that I think got a lot of people's attention. So there might be more of a focus from him. Um and Goy played very well in some games in pre season, so perhaps there's a future for him. Um as I mentioned with uh, Joel Taylor, I think Stevenage could be a place where we see a few of these lads playing. I understand. I think um, that's my my concern is sort of similar to your lines. I think Man City's academy um, account on Twitter seemed to suggest that he was never great at bringing them through from academy level to first team or the calibre of players, for example, were slightly different to what we'd expect. For example, I think he one said that he opted for Chet Evans over Dan Sturridge, for example. And you say, like, Stevenage, we could probably bring out some youngsters there, but we've not done it for the last few years. I don't know why that would sort of change now. The only thing I can see with Taylor is that if Wilson's going out, we have no other left-back barring Muniesa, so there may be an option, opportunity there. But I think he's had plenty of opportunities in the past to play like Telford when he broke through for example or Shenton and he never has so I don't know why that's going to change now yeah I don't I don't think he'll um, necessarily I don't think he'll necessarily be like an under 23 team in in its entirety Stevenage maybe more in hope than expectation anticipating sort of a second string team likes of Crouch Adam uh, Moniesa with like a smattering of under 23 players maybe in Gorey maybe Taylor um, I think we'll see probably more of the under-23 lads in the Checker Trade Trophy, <laughs> which um, we're all very excited for. Oh uh, yes, I think it's I think it's a great shame, really. Like we we will never know. Um, well, hopefully we we'll, we will know at some point, but seemingly we might not ever know how good these players are or actually could be at this level. You see, with um, obviously Rashford is the sort of the main man, the the one that. The, the real success story from youth to to the first team and I'm, I don't think we've probably got a Marcus Rashford in our youth team at the moment anyway but we might do and we don't really know you, you don't know until you try it and Mark Hughes just doesn't want to try it which I think is a great shame because you just, you just don't know if we have that star man if we have the the left back in Joel Taylor that could do better than than Eric Peters doing at the moment I just wish Mark Hughes would sort of just see have a go and see and maybe as you mentioned, he might try it at Stevenage and, you, and Joel Taylor, for example, plays really well and then, then he can step up to the to the first team. But it just hasn't happened at all. Is the last youth player, Ryan Schotter, who's yeah, come I, through? I wouldn't really count Shenton for 30 seconds of Premier League football. Yeah. He mentions having our own Rashford because Ngoy's actually got a better goal record at academy level than Rashford has. I guess the difference is that one's been sort of given a chance and has the support in the first team and one is still in the under-23s. But I think that Ngoy coming on for, as a sub over pre-season and being used on the right, I wonder if they're trying to mould him into a, I guess a Rashford-esque right-sided forward that can play on the wing as well, similar to Odin Wingy when he was here at Stoke. And that might be more of his way in than, I guess, a very cluttered centre-forward line at the moment. Because we've, for one position, we've currently got, what, four or five players battling if you're an academy player, it's going to be even harder to break in. So I guess if you have that versatility to you, it might not be a bad thing. We're definitely bringing in the players, as as you mentioned. Like the players are coming in, and and a lot of them are like, oh, this is the next sort of big thing from Belgium. And it's like, well, when are we going to see that, if ever? And it's annoying I think, for me. 
or annoying for Stoke fans I in think general. That's a reference to Florence Cuv- uh, Florence Cuvelier. He's uh, he's doing all right. At, last time I checked on him, was doing all right at Warsaw. But yeah, he he's. He, I think we can name countless like, oh, yeah. players from uh, from our academy who who have been sort of hopeful about and then never heard from again. Um, I'll ju- I'll just say hashtag deploy and go. <laughs> <laughs> for future game. I think it's worth mentioning as well that the strikers that they brought in, like the most recent three of Abdallah, Campbell, and Greenwich, like they are not small people. Like Greenwich, for example, was towering over a, another under 18s defender. He must have looked about seven foot tall. Campbell's not small, and Abdallah's taller than Mark Hughes, I think. So maybe they're going for this big, powerful lone striker approach. But similarly, um, a lot of the physical players, sort of the big built ones, tend to do better at youth academy level without really developing into the their football ability a great deal. I think James Alabi, for example, was one who led the line a lot in a four five one for our under twenty ones for many years, but just didn't make that transition to league football. I think he's playing in the conference at the moment. So it's worth obviously taking note that their physicality is probably going to have an impact there and hopefully that they develop the ability alongside it but in terms of the opening weekend for results it was both defeats for the young sides albeit it was a very different 11 than we'd expect for both of them because of the pro and cup for example um ryan sweeney from afc wimbledon made his debut for the under 23s who lost 3-0 to a very good west ham side um, Telford was out injured, injured for that game and, and Goy went off with a injured shoulder which is a bit of a problem because he's had that injury before so hopefully it's not a recurring one and the under 18s lost 2-0 to a good Middlesbrough side but that was mainly built up of under 16s so I guess in the next few weeks when the, the likes of Villinden and everyone are back from France we'll really get to see how the youth do but I guess to summarise, we really want an academy player to get through to the first team. But it's going to be harder than ever this season, I think, with the amount of emphasis on depth and the amount of money being thrown around for new signings. I just think I think that the door is there for, for Joel Taylor to walk through. We need a left-back and we have our young player of the season last year ready to go, probably. Um, why not give him a go? We we hope for Stevenage, but maybe at the end of the season he'll be the he'll be the regular left back. Yeah, who I knows? think the left back we can dream. I just say is going to be the easiest or the the best chance we've got of getting someone in now. I think the only the only other option at the moment is probably going to be central midfield, really, because of the a lot of injuries. We will still only have, I guess, Whelan and Bula, Allen and Adam, to pick maybe a midfield two or three. So there is an option there for lesser games and cup games. But apart from that, we're fairly well stocked everywhere else. I feel sorry for our goalkeepers because we seem to make so many good ones at youth level and they're not going to get past Butland. But I guess we'll have to see how the season goes. But I I really hope that this is the season where we get to applaud a a youngster coming on and making a good impression. So... I guess that brings us on to our speaking of future games we've got Man City next season where Pep's revolution begun with a convincing 2-1 win via an own goal yesterday 
Well, it's 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 on television as well, so all all it's all adding up to a, a tremendous concoction of Public of Stoke failure, really, isn't it? <laughs> not, I'm not being pessimistic. Well, we we played them at home on a Saturday, twelve thirty kickoff last season, and yes. okay, they didn't have Pep Guardiola then. But what difference does Pep Guardiola really make? Uh, yeah, I think I think we'll we'll beat them comfortably three <laughs> nil. Yeah, you're not convincing yourself. <laughs> I, I need to. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think Juf, Juf Hattrick um, with his three <laughs> touches of the match. Yeah. Yeah, who, who are these? Yeah, who are these mugs from Manchester anyway? Well, they might have Caballero in goal, which is only a positive. Yeah, but he's I the think. sort of player that's like. Maybe. Like Arcolo Torre, where he's awful, then he'll turn into Gordon Banks incarnate when we play him. <laughs> Just like Colo Torre turned into Beckenbauer when we played oh. Liverpool in the cup finals, semi-finals even. <laughs> Sorry, I thought someone was cut out there. <laughs> <laughs> I was just busy thinking about Colo Torre being Beckenbauer. <laughs> yeah, um, you definitely take a point from this one. Um, I mean, with Everton away, the game after as well, um, I think we'll we'll do very well to get a, a win from our opening three matches, which sort of fits the classic huge narrative of starting the season really slowly. I mean, y- you never know, we, we could unsettle Man City here. I mean, they played very well against Sunderland, but they, they still needed a sort of late-home goal. So I think it would just be a case of disrupting their play in midfield for a while and that's where I think uh, Joe Allen uh, could probably start the game possibly alongside Glenn Whelan I think if we have a chance then a big part of that is going to be the counter-attack the way that their uh, Pep Guardiola plays with his full-backs and how attacking they are there's going to be space in behind if we can use it with pace and we need Arnie and Shakiri to maybe half forget about the fact that they always like to cut in um, and just get a few balls over the top to them and see what they can do. As we saw with um, the Jif goal a couple of years ago, whenever it was um, against City, running the field, just getting some pace, having some pace and getting the ball to that pace is, is exactly what we want to do. Um, whether we can do that is yeah, is another story. see how they line up, really, because obviously he's bringing in a different sort of tactic than maybe what the Premier League's used to. But in terms of inverted fullbacks and defensive mids versus inverted wingers, we're going to have one serious congested final third of just like 10 players fighting each other for the ball from the sounds of it. I do think we need something from the game because it, the fixture list doesn't get much easier like very soon. And the one win, well, it took, took us six or seven games last season, didn't it, until we got that win at Bournemouth. I think it's going to be quite demoralising if we have it the same this season. I mean, Everton away, Tottenham at home, Palace away. West Brom at home, Man United away, Sunderland at home, are the next ones that are coming up, and they're pretty much they could be all guaranteed defeats with some of the runs we've had against them in the the last time. I mean, on paper, some of them look easier than others, but we're not going to beat Pulis, are we? So it do, it only starts getting easier around the end of October, and we can't be waiting that long for a win. So I do think that 
Hughes will line up with a false nine with a chance to get a scalp tomorrow, really. Deploying Goy. <laughs> Deploying Goy. That's our only hope. Yeah, I think that I think we can hope for a draw. Maybe 2-2. Two, two. A couple of moments of magic from Shakiri and Arnautovic. And, um, yeah. And then David Silva scores for my fancy team. I think, on <laughs> reflection, I'm going for an optimistic 1-1 uh, draw with a, a scrappy late goal from Bojan. Oh, no, no, it can't be a late goal from Bojan because he always gets taken off around yeah. 75 minutes. Uh, a, a scrappy late goal from Imbula at the back post. <sighs> okay. I'm going to go for 2-0 against Manchester side. Seems to suit us quite well, so I'll go for that. I reckon Bojan will score and maybe Sobby off the bench because let's be edgy. <laughs> I keep forgetting he exists. <laughs> I think I think the import, important thing for Hughes to do is at least keep a couple of the creative players on. Something that really annoyed me yesterday as well was the fact that he was going to take Shakiri off before, or apparently going to take Shakiri off before he scored the free kick. And we we pay big money for the players like that to to do something to to make something magic happen. And if they're on the bench, then that's obviously that can't happen. Um, so. I'd like to see him at least leave Shakiri and well Shakiri and Arnie maybe on for the full ninety and see what they can do because they're the types of players that that some nothing goes to them all game and then suddenly they they score a free kick or or score a, an overhead kick whatever Shakiri and Arnie wants to do um, so yeah I hope he, I hope Hughes just keeps them on the pitch for the full ninety or at least like eighty minutes and and gives them yeah, a chance I to do something in, special. In defense of Hughes yesterday, like I I was probably a bit controversial with him. I thought Shakiri was awful until this goal and it would have it would have made more sense to take him off than to take Juve off fair enough Juve did nothing because he wasn't given the ball but if we were going to bring on someone capable of actually getting the ball to him or getting the ball in the box for him then that probably would have worked a lot better but you know as you said it's you pay big money for these players you can turn a game in an instant and that's exactly what Shakiri did I don't think I agree with the leaving them on for 90 minutes. I think if they're wavering or something, then we do need to look to the bench where we actually have, in Ramadan Sobi, we have a genuine wing option now that can, I guess, extend our pacey attack for a, another 20, 30 minutes on the pitch, which we were we were missing out on last season. I think our attack in general looked... Arnautovic and Shakiri were producing a fair bit but up front we looked quite blunt in places and I don't think the substitutions really aided the game yesterday and it's not going to be until we have tailor-made players that can go into those roles that will really help it the likes of Sobby coming in on the wing or I don't know possibly up front or something or even at the back having Taylor on the bench if Peters comes off we've got to make sure that the substitutions aid the game rather than just sort of getting another man on the pitch until full time because the last thing we want to do in a lot of games is, ho is hold out I think um, but for next week I think we'll go strikerless I think Bojan will be up front for the false nine as he as Hughes likes to wheel it out for the big games so yeah there's our prediction for next week it's quite a quick roundup of what's been on the site over the last week or so because it's only really been one person working on it which was Sam he's running a new FM Labs feature where he basically asks what if to a lot of football manager saves. So after pre-season, seeing the three at the back being wheeled out a lot, Sam decided to simulate Mark Hughes playing 
3-5-2 across a season and you can find the results on his site. He's had to actually create Ramadan Sobi based on what the Egyptians said, so I think everything's currently maxed out at 20. But, yeah, I don't think I ever want to see a back three at Stoke, personally. But Sam's, Sam's save seemed to make it work. Anything from your side, Ben? Anything catch your eye this week? Um, well, actually, I've, I'm just starting my own podcast, so I can, I can do a little plug for that. Um, it's called... It's called Left Back in the Studio. Um, it sh- it should be on iTunes any time now. I, I, I submitted it on Friday, so we'll, it, it should be yeah, it should be up soon. Um, you can follow that at LB in the Studio. Um, it'll be a weekly thing, and it it's a podcast that looks at the the bad, the ugly, and the boring side of football. Um, so we've yeah, got com- tune we've into got competition. That if you, if you about, we've, we've already got a podcast about Stoke. Mate. <laughs> No, that sounds really good. Well, <laughs> yeah, Dave. Anything entertaining in your week? Uh, um, uh, well, I've got over the sunburner I achieved while watching England play cricket at Edgebaston on Sunday. But um, I, I've written something about uh, AFC Blackpool and the anti-Oyston boycotts for the setpieces.com, which was a uh, um, my first uh, paid freelance football gig if you like uh, so yeah it's on the the setpieces.com which is a great website anyway but uh, if, if you're interested in the situation at Blackpool I've got something up on there brilliant we'll we'll get that in a link in the on Twitter for everyone to view as well same with the podcast for LB when it's up so in terms of where you can find us after this podcast I'm on Twitter at scfcjace David, you are. I'm at. I'm David at David Cowlishaw. Ben, you are. B A J Cartwright. Badge Cartwright to those that know me well. Perfect. Okay, so that's there you go. That's all for this week's episode. Join us next week when we've given up on football entirely following <laughs> the Man City match. Okay, we will see you next week. Goodbye.